Well, I am ready to jump in this morning. You guys ready for this morning? It's good, man. Worship was so good this morning. If you are a first-time guest, I just want to let you know I'm Pastor Chris. I'm our executive pastor here at Destiny, so I'm excited to get to speak to you guys this morning. Um, and we're going to jump right in. So how many of you guys are ready to take notes this morning? I hope you've got something to take notes and are ready to take notes, not because I am a great speaker, but because we serve a speaking God. Amen. Like, I'm telling you, well, I'll give you my best. It may not be that good, but I promise what he gives you will be better. All right, so make sure we are ready to have something. Write that down. Uh, if you're taking notes, my title today is Knowing and Living. Now, I want to jump right into kind of the idea that I want to give you. I know we've been talking a lot about the practices and what it means to really walk in relationship with God. And today I want to kind of dive into that. I want to ask a question as we get started this morning, but really what was the difference between the disciples and the Pharisees? What was the difference between the disciples and the Pharisees? They both knew Scripture. They were both in church. What's the difference between a disciple and a Pharisee? And I would say this, the difference isn't in knowing Scripture. The difference was in living by it. Now, it's the relational aspect. Now, did Pharisees know Scripture? Absolutely. Did they follow the letter of the law? Absolutely. But a lot like A.T. spoke last week, they knew the letter of the law, but not necessarily the heart behind it. So here's my question to you. If we're called to live like Jesus, then how is it that we can live like Jesus and not love like him. So I want to jump right in this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice to atone for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. If someone claims, I know God, but does not obey God's commands, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we are living in him those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And this is where I want to start off today. They should live their lives as Jesus did. Does anybody ever feel like, can we be honest for a moment? I hope so. We're in church. We should be. Anybody ever feel like it, it's hard to live to the standard of Jesus? Right? Like me, Jesus. He's the son of God. Like I'm supposed to live like him. I get that, but... But he's Jesus. He is. The perfect example for us to live like and follow. But part of the reason it seems so hard when we're like, man, I want to live like Jesus, is when we think of living like Jesus, what do you think of? I challenge you that what you probably think of are the miracles he did. We fed 5,000. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. I'm supposed to live like Jesus? 
I found something kind of interesting preparing for today. When you look at all the miracles that Jesus did, 33 years of life, three years of public ministry, we only have 37 recorded miracles like that. Living like Jesus isn't these mountaintop major experiences. It was all the things he did day to day. It was all the things he did along the way. It was the practices that were in his life. When you look at the disciples, the guys who walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, they saw him do all these amazing things. What was their question to Jesus? It wasn't like, hey, show us how you raised that guy. What'd they say? Hey, teach us to pray. They saw something about his life, the depth of the practices that he did on a regular basis. Not to get super math involved here. My brain works like that a little bit, so forgive me. But 37 miracles in three years, that's, that's 156 weeks. He did 37 miracles in 156 weeks. What do you think it was like being one of the disciples? You're like, man, we just fed 5,000 people. Get up the next morning. Jesus, what are we going to do today? Go for a walk. Oh. Then what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Okay. What are we going to do next, Jesus? Well, we're going to go have lunch with somebody. All right. Get up the next morning. Jesus, what are we going to do today? Hey, we're going to go over those tax collectors. Oh, yeah, those guys, yeah. What are we going to do to them? See if they want to go to lunch. I mean, really, look at Jesus' life, and the humility of Jesus was a mark on his life. The fact that Jesus ate with everyone. How many of you guys have heard people talk about it? We've all said it, like, Jesus ate with sinners. You know what really I found interesting? Jesus ate with sinners. In fact, John 15, 6 talks about that. I thought this was interesting. When he says he ate with sinners, he said he ate with tax collectors and sinners. It's like, that must have been a whole nother level. There's sinners, and then there was tax collectors. It's like, dang. Some of y'all can relate right now. It's that season. Anyway, moving on. Right, but... <laughs> My bad. Back to, back to Jesus, right? But here's the other thing that I found interesting. Not only did he eat with tax collectors, but he also ate with the Pharisees. Luke 7, 36, it says they invited him to eat, and he came to dinner. He ate with everybody. He spent time with everybody, whether you were religious, whether you were a sinner, no matter who you were. But this is what I found interesting. There's not really a lot of verses where it's like Jesus sat and ate with the disciples. It was understood that he spent time with the people that were like-minded. Some of y'all need to follow me. It was understood that he spent time with those who were like-minded. So they made a point that he included those that thought differently. The way we live our life needs to be shown in our love, the way we treat people that we are like-minded with and those that we're not. And there's a humility about our life that we should carry, the fact that Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him, but still walked in such a humility that he washed Judas's feet. Right before he got up and said, hey, one of you is going to betray me. Is it I, Jesus? Yep. <laughs> Not exactly how that went. 
Jesus knew he was going to betray him, but he still humbled himself and washed his feet. Jesus knew who the sinners were, yet he still sat down and he spoke life to them. If we really want to live like Jesus, it's not how many people that were sick did you heal this week, how many people did you raise from the dead this week, but it's how many people did you eat with this week. Zacchaeus just wanted to see Jesus. He walks by, sees this dude in a tree. He's like, hey, going to your house for dinner. How we live our life like Jesus is about the common everyday aspects of what we do. John 15 tells us that Jesus would often retreat to the lonely lonely places to pray. What does it really mean to live like Jesus? It's more than just knowing Scripture. It's more than chasing those high moments. It's about the everyday practices that you do each day, every week, that sometimes feel so mundane and boring. I know sometimes I think like, man, what would it have been like to be able to walk and talk with Jesus? And it sounds amazing, and it probably was. But if I'm honest, the reason I say that is because what I'm really saying is, man, how cool would it have been to see all the miracles Jesus did? What about the weeks in between? What about the weeks where they get up and there's no miracles, there's no amazing things. What are we doing? Pursuing the heart of God. Diving into Scripture. It's what the practices are about your everyday life that truly shows that we love Jesus. It truly shows who Jesus is inside of us. Now, I, earlier I asked the question, I mean, you ever feel like it's hard to live up to? Anybody ever feel like no matter how hard you try, you fail at it? Just me? All right. Fair enough. (laughs) I feel that way a lot. No matter how hard I try, like, man, I'll get the practices right. And then it's like, maybe I need to practice some more. Anybody? But this is the thing. The more we spend time with him, the more we know him, the more we spend time in the word, the more the word comes alive to us. I love that I can still read a verse that I have heard a hundred times. And somehow when I read it, it's like, I never saw that before. How? Because his word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. There's something in it that resonates in our spirit. So when we read it, there's a revelation that comes from it. It's the practices that we put into place day in and day out that bring the revelation of God that begin to transform our life. What are those practices for you? You know, we've gone through and given you several different things that are a progression to walk through that, but anybody else in here, like some practices are a lot easier than others, right? So what are the practices that are difficult for you? Lean into those. Most of the time, our human nature is what? This practice is difficult. I'm going to do the ones that come easy, right? Take a Sabbath. I like naps. I can do this. Right? Maybe. Or maybe it's take a Sabbath. Oh, there's so much to do. Can I really slow down? Yeah, you need to. Why? Because there's something that God wants to rejuvenate in you. 
so that you can be fresh, so that you can be ready, so that you can be whole, so we can walk in the things that God has called us to walk in. Man, I don't really do people, so you mean I got to talk to people, have lunch with people? Yeah. Not every people. If you don't really do people, here's the thing. Most people who say, I don't really do people, they do one-on-one really well. Would you agree? Most people who say, I don't really do people, do one-on-one really well. They don't do 100-on-one well. And then there's some of us that 100-on-one is great because I can talk to everybody in the room but not ever have a meaningful conversation. What is it that's difficult for you? And dive into that, press into that, because I think a lot of times... We focus on our mistakes. We focus on our failures. Like, man, God, I missed it. How do I live like you? I'm not raising the dead. Anybody else? I'm not, I read these incredible miracles in the Bible, and I'm not seeing those in my life. Are you? When you stop and think about your life, can you think of 30 times that you prayed and God's came through for you? 30 times? about 40 times? Can you think of 40 times in your own life that you prayed and God's came through for you? Well, that's three more than what we have a reference for with Jesus. You follow me? I'm not saying that to belittle any of what Jesus did. What I'm saying is we often focus on all the in-betweens and we miss the major moments where God showed up in our life because there was weeks in between them. There was weeks in between them with Jesus himself. That's where the practices come into play. That's where putting yourself out and walking with him, learning, listening. I know my oldest, Riker, I remember when he was little, we used to go, and there's a play place in Norman, and we'd go play at this play place. I'd take him there, and I'd be sitting, and I'll never forget this. One day I'm in there, I'm sitting on the other side, and he's running around with all the little kids, and he's playing, and he gets up on this slide, and he slides down, and he's like, you know, the little kid thing, it's like you get up to the top and you're like looking like, you see me? You see me? Right? You're like, all right, yep, I see you. 387 time. Go for it. And he slides down. He's got this big old smile. And he's happy. He slides down the slide. Well, as he slides down the slide, this kid, they're playing tag in the same area and just <laughs> plows over him. And both kids go rolling across. He was just looking at me. But he goes rolling across, and I jump up, as a good parent does, and goes running to him. But he's a little ways away, so he stops rolling and sits up. Well, he's turned around because he just got hit. And when he sits up, he looks to the bench, and Dad's not on the bench anymore. And he calmly gets up, brushes himself off. No, what's a little kid do? He panics. He freaks out. He looks, Dad's gone. And I remember as soon as he started to wail, I was like, Riker. He's like, he stopped. He looks around because it's like the voice from nowhere. And I reached over. I picked him up, and he was fine. He just wanted to know that Dad was still there. Some of y'all need to hear me. You go through life, you get hit with something, you get turned around, spun around, and you look, you're like, oh, I don't see God in the middle of my situation. We begin to panic, we begin to scream and freak out and lose it because God's not here. He's still there. You just lost sight of him in the middle of the confusion. He never left. He's still running to you. You just got hit, and now you're looking a different direction. 
That's going to happen. You're going to get hit in life. You're going to take hits in life. Everybody in this room, we've had times where life just hits you, and you're like, man, really? It's what we do in that moment. It's that moment. See, the thing that calmed him when I said his name wasn't the fact that I was almost to him. It was that he recognized my voice even if I could, he couldn't see me. I can't tell you how many times I've talked about, like, I just don't hear God's voice. Are you listening to him? Well, I just don't hear God in the middle of this situation. Are you asking for his opinion or are you asking for his permission? Because those are two different things. That's a freebie this morning. That's not in my notes. But here's the thing. A lot of times we're like, hey, God, could, should I do this? No. Should I do this, God? No. God, if it's not you for me to do it, let that sign fall and kill that dude over there. Nope, he's still alive. Like, we get crazy with it. God, let that sharp shopping cart pop a curb and fly. Nope. Must not be God's will. Right? Like, tell the truth. Y'all laughing at me. I know y'all done it. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay. But we get in this idea, it's like, man, God, is it you? We're not really listening for his voice. We're looking for his permission. Listen to his voice. Is he speaking what you wanted him to say, or are you really listening to live your life the way he called you to live it? If we're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to live like Jesus, that means we're going to have to be in tune with the Father's voice. But what if I miss it? Anybody ever felt that? What if I miss it? Can I help you out really quick? This could be the most, like, meaningful thing I'm going to tell you all day. What if you miss it? You're going to. You're going to miss it at times. That's okay. You're going to miss it. How do I know? Because let's go back to 1 John where I started. Dear children, I'm writing this so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, you have an advocate pleading your case. I'm going to practice and I'm going to do my best so that I don't fail. But what if I fail? When you fail, that's why you've got Jesus right there to help you, to pick you up. But this is the thing. In fact, Luke 22 says that this, Jesus talking to Peter, Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith would not fail. Now, hold on. I'm going to pause right there. How many of you would love to hear Jesus tell you, hey, the devil has asked to come against you, but I am pleading that when he comes against you, you wouldn't fail? How many of you would love to hear Jesus say that to you? See if you keep that energy when we finish this verse. So when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Isn't that comforting? Jesus looks at Peter and like, hey, I hope you never fail. This devil's coming against you, and I'm praying for you, and I'm believing that you won't fail. So here's what I want you to do after you do fail. So encouraging. Like, I am praying that you do not fail. So after you fail and come back, here's what you do next. What's he saying? It's like, look, you're not going to be perfect. 
There's things that come against you, you're going to fail. But when you fail, it's what you do after you fail that matters. It's the next step that matters. Do you have practices in your life that you keep coming back to God or do you retreat from him because, man, I messed up again? I didn't hit the mark this time. Okay, so get up and keep going. In fact, Proverbs 24, 16 says this, though a godly man trips seven times, they'll get back up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. I love that verse. When a godly man falls, how many times? Seven times he gets back up. That's actually not the part I want you to catch. Who falls? A godly man. Hold on. It didn't say when a godly man falls, he comes back, he becomes godly again. And No. When a godly man falls, seven times he gets back up. When a godly man falls seven times, he gets back up. Guys, you don't lose every, everything, you, all the progress you've made because you fell. You didn't lose it all because you messed up. You didn't lose it all because I missed it. I didn't lose it all because, man, I didn't do turn the page today. I didn't lose it all because, man, I was just too tired. I didn't get into the word of God. I didn't. You didn't lose all the progress. You didn't lose all the relationship. But the difference between the godly and the ungodly is, man, I've missed it today. Tomorrow I'm going to make sure I don't. Though a godly man falls, he what? Gets back up. It's what you do next that determines that. Am I going to jump back into that practice? Am I going to jump back into the word of God? Hey, I missed my my devotions today, but tomorrow I'm making sure that I'm going to be in the word. Tomorrow I'm making sure that I spend time with God. Why? Because that's a priority of my life. What are the priorities of your life that are constants? What are the things that you say, hey, I'm going to do this every day no matter what? Because we should have them. We should have the practices where we are spending time in the word of God, where we are purposing to take a Sabbath, where we are spending time in relationship and community, where we're sitting around a table diving into the word of God. Those need to be common practices of our life. Why? So that we truly live like Jesus, that we know the word of God, that we have the relationships that he's entrusted to us, that we truly begin to live like him. I'm going to give you one last illustration of this that I found really interesting. I like basketball, so if you don't, I'm sorry. Um, Steph Curry, you guys have heard this guy before, right? He is like one of the best shooters in the NBA, hands down. I saw a statistic about him the other day. I was watching uh, and saw this come up, and I thought, man, this was amazing. So I started doing the math because my brain's weird like that. And they were like, man, he does at a minimum of 800 shots a day practice, five days a week, sometimes six, but at least five days a week. He's going to get in a gym, and he's going to shoot 800 shots at minimum. That's a lot of shots. So I started looking. I was like, man, what is that? Again, my brain's weird. Sorry. I'm like, how long has he been in the NBA? How many shots is that? So I did the math because my brain's weird like that. It's 2.9 million shots over this course of just being in the NBA. He took 2.9 million shots to prepare him for the games. You know how many shots he's taken in an actual game? 16,000. 
He took 2.9 million shots to prepare to take 16,000. That's a lot of preparation. A lot. You know what's crazy? One of the best shooters in the NBA, and he's only got a 47% accuracy. Let me help you out. That means he took 2.9 million shots to prepare him to take 17,000 shots. That means he only made 8,000 of those. What if I miss it? He's still known as one of the best shooters in the NBA. And he makes it less than half the time. What if I don't live up, Pastor Chris? What if, what if I fail? What if, I'm, what if I miss it more than I get it right? Do you get back up and you keep trying? Do you keep going? Do you keep putting in the effort? Because, see, this is the thing. Most of the time we're like, man, I missed it. You missed it in the test. You didn't miss it on the day-to-day. It's what you did on the day-to-day that determined if you were prepared for the test. You follow me? Well, what's the test, Pastor Chris? The test is when life hits you hard and you lose sight of where Jesus is in the middle of it. That's the test because you're going to get hit. So when you get hit and you lose sight, what do you do? Do you go back to what you've known and you look for Jesus in the middle of it or do you get thrown off and you lose your way? It's like, man, I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. My life is falling apart. Where do we land in the midst of that? This is the thing. If we really want to live like Jesus, then we need to know what it is to get away and spend time in the lonely places. We need to know what it is to get away and just listen to the voice of God sometimes. If we want to live like Jesus, then we need to know what Scripture says, not just pray. Why? Because when Jesus was tempted, what did he do to overcome temptation? He quoted Scripture. When Satan came to Jesus and said, hey, I can give you all of this. Well, it's written, right? That was it. His response every time was scripture. Man, I'm really struggling with this area of sin in my life. Then are you rehearsing scripture about that area? Are you practicing? Are you putting in the effort so that when that comes and now you're faced with the test, you've put in the practice I'm not like a huge Curry fan. He just really stuck out to this. And there was another video I saw that I thought was really interesting. He was dribbling. Some of you guys have seen this. It made us rounds on the Internet. He's just dribbling down the court, and they're like, only, whoo. He's just dribbling down the court, and all of a sudden the ball just, like, drops to the side. And he picks it up, and he goes back and drops, and he discovers a dead spot in the court. And this was the thing. They were like, only Steph Curry Curry dribbles down the court and loses the ball and says, man, something's wrong with the court. Right? Everybody else is like, man, I missed the ball. No, he's like, oh, no, there's a problem with the court. But the reason was he spent so much time with the ball in his hand, he knew when it felt off. Are we spending enough time in the presence of God to where we know when it feels off? off. This opportunity came, man, I've got this new job. There's this new opportunity for me to take this position. Does it feel off or does it feel right? No. I'm not saying be led by your emotions. I'm saying spend enough time in the presence of God where you know, is God in this 
or is he not in this? Because those are two very different things. Because there's a lot of things that can feel right to me because it sounds good. The question is, is the presence of God in it or not? Do I sense the presence of God in this conversation? Do I sense the presence of God in this opportunity? Have I spent enough time in his presence where I know when it leaves or when it stays? I saw that video. I thought it was hilarious, but it's like, man, how much time do you spend dribbling to realize the floor is off? Let me ask you that in your own personal life. How much time do you spend in the presence of God where you walk into a room and realize something's not right here? When someone begins to engage you in a conversation, you're like, hmm, something's not right here. Because something about the presence of God shifts in the conversation. I mean, I've just spent so much time in it that, man, something just doesn't feel right about this. See, that's one of the things I love when you look at the life of Jesus. He spends all this time not preparing for the big moments. He spends all this time investing in relationships. And that's what prepared him for the big moments. That's what prepared him. He knew the presence of God. What does he say? I say nothing except what my father says. I know when to close my mouth because I know when God's speaking and when he's telling me to speak or when he's telling me to stop speaking. That's one I need to work on. Anybody else? Sometimes we get targets like, "Mm, I probably should have stopped a few minutes ago. It doesn't have to be major moments. That's the point of everything I'm telling you. If you're looking for God in the major moments of your life, you'll absolutely find him because he's there. But you'll be frustrated because you're not looking for him in the minor moments that really make up the majority of your life. It's kind of like marriage or your family. Vacations are great. How many of you guys like love vacations? And you take those occasionally. But a great vacation doesn't make a great family. A great date night doesn't make a great family, a marriage. It's the way you talk to each other every day. It's what you do in the day in and the day out, and you serve each other, and you love each other when it's hard, when it's easy. That's what makes it. And the big moments are just simply that. They're big moments, and there's a handful of those that happen in your life. But we live our life often as Christians for the big moment. I want to come to church. I want to go to a conference. And we live high to high, moment to moment, and in the in-between, it's like, man, I don't know where God is in my everyday. See, if we begin to pursue God in our everyday, those high moments just become better. Those conference moments just become better. Those Sunday moments just become better. Why? Because I've prepared for it all week long. If we get the band to go ahead and start to come back up, I want to ask you this question. Really evaluate. And I'm going to, it's going to be awkward for a moment. Can we do awkward? I hope because I do awkward a lot by default. (laughs) I want to give you a moment to really think. What is the practice? We've been talking for weeks 
about the practices. What is the practice for you that's the most difficult? I want you to think about it. What is the most difficult practice and why is it so difficult for you? I'm going to give you a minute. I want you to think about it. Here's the action point that I want to give you for this week. Whatever the practice is that you thought of, whatever it is that you struggle with the most, your action point for this week is simple. Prioritize that practice this week to try to make it a habit. Prioritize the one that's the most difficult. Why? So that you can really begin to make those things habits to deepen your life. I want to ask something. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. See, this entire message has been based on not just knowing God, not just knowing Scripture, but living like Him. So here's my question for you. If you're in here today and maybe you don't know Him, and you want to, or maybe you know about him, but you're not living like it. And you say, you know, the truth is today, I need to get some things right in my life. I need to live more like Jesus, not just know about him. There's some practices that I need to get right. There's some things I need God to help me through. Maybe I've been hit. Maybe I've been struggling. My eyes are not on Jesus, and I know that he's never left me, but I don't see him in the middle of my situation. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you really quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Got to pray for every person in here right now. They just have the courage to lift their hand and say, God, I need you. In the middle of this crazy thing we call life, I need you. And I pray that you would fill our hearts, that you would take us to deeper places of knowing you, that your grace and your forgiveness would cover every time that we have failed, that we would get up and continue to pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to challenge you with something. Maybe you came in here today, maybe as we prayed, you're like, man, yeah, there's this area I really need to work on. Can, can I tell you something? The moment you give an area to Jesus, the devil's going to tempt you with that area. He's going to tempt you with it. Not only is he going to tempt you with it, but if he's going to tempt you with it and you don't fall back into it, you know what he's going to say? You know you really struggle with this. You think, you really think? It's going to be gone. You really think that area is defeated? You really think that's going to stop? Yeah, absolutely. You know why? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, that overcomes everything that you give to him. So the moment the devil tries to tempt you with what God's healed you from, remind him you're healed, you're forgiven. 
because that's what Scripture says. That's what the Word of God says. When you begin to worship and that thought comes up of, man, but you don't know where I've been. Nah, but I know who your Savior is. And I know where you've been doesn't matter because he's big enough to cover all of it. So I want to ask us all stand together. Let's begin to press in. Let's worship today together. And I want to tell you, I want to challenge you. Whenever you feel the devil try to be, bring condemnation against you as you begin to press in, I want you to remind him of what the Bible says. There, are no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you walk in freedom. You walk in the grace of God because it was the blood of Jesus that paid for it. Let's begin to press into him and let's worship him as we conclude.